0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: It wasn't just limited to the hands of the apostles either. Acts chapter 6 and verse 8, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. You go back and look at the the surrounding scriptures, you'll find out that that, uh, Stephen was simply a deacon in the church. That means an usher. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was a low position. It was an esteemed position, but not a special call to the ministry. Acts chapter 8 and verse 6. Philip, another one of the ushers, the deacons, goes down to the city of Samaria. Samaria, And it says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. He's not an apostle. This idea that miracle working power died when the last apostle did, the apostles weren't the only ones to use it. If it was theirs and theirs alone, it wouldn't have worked for anybody else in their day. If the intent of miracles in the early days of the church was to prove that the apostles had power, why did people outside the apostles have it? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5. Paul writes, showing the attitude of miracle-working power, he writes to the Galatians, He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, notice Paul doesn't say those special ones that work miracles. He didn't say in case an apostle comes by and does does a miracle. How is he doing it? He talks about it as if it could be anybody in any situation at any time. He that ministers the Spirit, anybody can do that. Anybody can get somebody filled with the Holy Ghost or saved, whichever way you want to interpret that. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And notice he equates that with the working of miracles they're just as prevalent if this was inspired by the Holy Ghost, then God expects it to be just as prevalent, just as commonplace as someone ministering salvation or the baptism of the Holy Ghost to someone else second corinthians twelve twelve Paul speaking of himself, he said truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Furthermore, he tells us by the Holy Ghost how God has established things in the church. Not just with the 12, not just with the special ones that were called in the days of the early church. He tells us how God set things up, the organization that God set things up for the body of Christ that includes you and me today. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. I want you to realize, folks, that the Holy Ghost said that miracles were a part of the organizational system in the church. Now, they may not be a part of the organizational system of of certain denominations, but it's the way God set up the church. Then he tells us about miraculous works in the church, and how they will operate, First Corinthians chapter twelve verses seven through eleven. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom; to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit; to another faith, or one translation says special faith by the same Spirit; to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit; to another the working of miracles; to another prophecy; to another discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh. Thank God they all work. But all these worketh, that one in the self same spirit, divided to every man separately as he wills. Now, as I said earlier, everything Jesus did was miraculous. Everything Jesus did was not specifically a miracle. But everything he did was miraculous. All of these manifestations, these nine different manifestations of the spirit, every one of them are miraculous. They can be divided into three groups. One group reveals something. One group says something and one group does something. Each of the operations of the Spirit, each of the manifestations of the Spirit is miraculous in nature. For example, the ones that say something, the utterance manifestations. Suddenly, instantly, there are words to speak that they weren't before. Words from the Holy Spirit words from the spirit realm. Revelation. Instantly, suddenly, there is something revealed that was not revealed before. The power gifts are manifestations of the spirit. Some power, some ability is present to perform a work that was not there an instant before. Now in that sense, each of these are miraculous and each of these would be a miracle because something is being injected into the material realm that was originates in the spirit realm, whether it be words, power, or knowledge. And Paul said, by the Holy Ghost. I like to think of it this way. The Holy Ghost through Paul tells us how he works. Well if that's the way the Holy Ghost is supposed to work in the church, Pastor Mike. Why didn't he work like that all the time? Because each one of these operate according to faith. Remember Galatians chapter 3 and verse 5 where Paul wrote to the Galatians. and He said, he that worketh, that ministers the spirit among you and worketh miracles. How does he do it? Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The obvious answer is by the hearing of faith. So it takes faith to operate each of these miraculous manifestations of the spirit. And every miracle Jesus did can be categorized in one of these three categories. One of these nine manifestations of the Spirit. Every work you see in the, in the, the, written in the book of Acts about the church can fall into one of these nine manifestations of the Spirit. There's nothing that the church did that is outside of these nine manifestations of the Spirit. So if we're talking about miracles being done in the body of Christ, if we're talking about miracles being done in the church, it's going to be one of these nine manifestations of the Spirit. So, what should we do? Well, I'm inclined to believe we should develop our faith in the manifestations of the Spirit. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word. So, what's the necessary key? Should we pray, Pastor Mike? Should we pray for the manifestations of the Spirit? Should we pray for miracles? Well, that's a good thing to do. But if that's all you do, you're not going to have any. Because God confirms His Word with signs following. God doesn't confirm prayers with signs following. He confirms his word with signs following. If we want miracles, we're going to have to teach on miracles. If we want the miracle working power of God, we're going to have to teach on the availability of the miracle working power of God. Otherwise, there's nothing for anybody to have faith to receive. There's nothing for anybody to have faith in. Folks, I want you to see. Turn with me over to James chapter 5. I, I, I hesitate, I intended to go a little bit further this morning, but I hesitate to go much further because I don't want to get partway into something and then not have time to finish it. But I want you to notice something in James chapter 5. James is writing to the church uh, from, uh, from what knowledge we have, and, and it's limited. I, I, I couldn't stand up and say that I know that I know that I know this no matter what, but from what uh, knowledge we have of church history, the book of James is one of the first books of, of the uh, uh, New Testament. We know that James was raised up to be the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. He's the half-brother of Jesus. He's not the James of the, the Twelve. You remember Jesus' his family um, was sometimes around him, his mother particularly, but for the most part his family didn't believe in him. There was one time where Jesus was in a certain place. Uh, it says he was in a house and uh, word came to him uh, from somebody else that his mother and his brothers were outside wanting him to come outside to see him. And Jesus made mention of the fact that his family were those that put the word of God first. His family were the ones that were willing to do the word and hear the word. So on another occasion, somebody came up to him, a woman came up to him and said, Boy, your mother must be something. How blessed your mother is to, for, for somebody like you to have a son out of somebody like you. And Jesus said, Well, yeah, she is blessed. But the ones that are blessed are the ones that hear my word and keep it. So Jesus, half-brother James, was not a follower of his, was not a disciple of his when Jesus was here on the earth. But church tradition tells us, and I'm not sure exactly where this comes from, but church tradition tells us that Jesus appeared to James after he was raised from the dead. James got saved and then became the pastor of the church of Jerusalem after a certain number of years. You see in the beginning of the book of Acts where Peter is in charge of the disciples in the church. But by the time Acts 15 comes around, which the, when the council at Jerusalem takes place, and this is probably some 10 to 12 years after um, Acts chapter 2 when the church uh, was, the Holy Ghost was poured out and the church began to grow. Some 10 to 12 years later, James is now the pastor of the church and everybody's coming to him for the decision. Well, he's the pastor that's telling us these things. That's the James that wrote this letter to the church, one of the earliest letters written. And in James chapter 5, James speaks of how the church operates. He says, is any among you afflicted? This is verse 13. Let him pray. Going through a hard place? Pray. He didn't say, is any afflicted? Let somebody else pray for him. That's good. But if you don't do your own praying, nothing's going to happen. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing songs. You know, I've never had a prayer request come in and say, Pastor Mike, sing for me. God's done great things this week and I want you to sing. No when God comes through, everybody's willing to do their own singing. We ought to have the same attitude toward our troubles. We're willing to do our own trouble our own praying when we 're in trouble, having with the same confidence that God will come through and that pray that prayer will turn into singing. Verse fourteen is any sick among you. The implication is there shouldn 't be now there are going to be people that are afflicted there' are going to be people that are going through hard times, but trouble should pass. I like another thing John Osteen used to say. One of the phrases used in Scripture over and over again is, and it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. Over and over again, the Scripture says, and it came to pass. Thank God it came to pass. Trouble doesn't come to stay. It comes to pass. So there are going to be times where people are afflicted, and that's when they need to pray. And there are going to be times where people are rejoicing because of great victories, and that's when they need to sing their songs. And there are going to be times where you're attacked with sickness. Is any sick among you? But it shouldn't be the normal thing. Well, what do we do? Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. The elders of the church. The elders of the church. There is some connection with church government and healing. Why? Is any sick among you? Let him get the great medical index he can find and get the good doctor's. Nothing wrong with doctors. Know a lot of them. Got a lot of them in my church. Glad of it. But is any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. There is something about this supernatural organization called the church that's designed to heal the sick.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing.
1: Now whatever somebody, you or me, or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8:17 tells us why He healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses.
0: Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: Now folks, as we said, everything Jesus did was a miracle. And in one sense, even the smallest, the lightest, Mark chapter 6, verse 5, for example, Jesus in his own hometown of Nazareth, it says, and he could there do no mighty work. doesn't say he wouldn't, it says he couldn't. Now I know that's blasphemous in some people's thinking, because they think Jesus could do anything, but Jesus, if you read the Bible, was limited by the unbelief of others. The power was available. Sure, God could have and would have done anything for them. But because they refused to believe, the power was not made available in their case. So it says in John, in um, Mark chapter 6 and verse 5, And he could there do no mighty work, save or accept, that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks. The word sick is literally the word sickly, binds expository dictionary, Of New Testament words says that word sickly literally means people with with minor ailments. He could there do no mighty work save or except he laid his hands upon a few sickly folks, few folks with minor ailments, and healed them. Well, that's a miracle too, isn't it? I mean, in a general sense, each one of those minor healings would be miraculous. They were sick before he ministered to them, they were well afterwards. That's a miracle. So anything and everything associated with healing is miraculous in nature. Although it may not fit the specific and strict definition of a miracle, it's miraculous in nature. Even if it's just a supernatural removing of the barrier to the natural healing process, still miraculous. Do you understand where I'm coming from on that? So every healing would be miraculous in nature. And James... As the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, a church of thousands of people, 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. 5,000 people got saved after the result of, uh, or after Acts 3, the healing of the man at the beautiful gate of the temple. Not all of those people lived in Jerusalem, so not all of those people are in the church, but we could conservatively say that thousands of people make up the church in Jerusalem, especially many years later thousands of people he's a pastor of thousands and he says here's how it works he's inspired by the holy ghost to tell us here's how it works now who is he telling the letter is not written to you although the holy ghost saved it for you the letter is written to the people in his day and some people will use that as evidence so-called evidence well see that doesn't belong to us today then why in the world wasn't god smart enough to delete this page Jesus said, the works that I do, shall you do also. Was that not for us either? Because in the same sense, the same sentence where he's talking about the works that he did, will do also. He's talking about the reason is because he went to the Father. Does Jesus going to the Father not belong to us too? Then nobody can be saved. Of course it belongs to us. We may not be living up to it, but it belongs to us. So James says, is any sick among you? What should the sick do? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them call for the elders of the church. Folks, I would submit to you that that takes place in a very, very small degree today. I would submit to you that the sick don't look to the church first and foremost when that was God's intent. Why? Well, again, faith is necessary. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The church doesn't preach that healing is associated with the church. The church doesn't preach that it's part of the organizational structure as set up by the Holy Ghost. The church doesn't teach it. Now I'm talking about the church at large. And so from a big picture standpoint, there's a minute degree of faith in healing. The miracle of healing. Yet James says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them call for the elders of the church. Now let's define elders. Elders literally means... The ministry staff of the church. That's what it equates to in today's world, today's church. Whatever the ministry staff is, whether it's one pastor, whether it's a multitude of pastors, whatever it is, it's talking about the ministry staff of the church. Now, notice James is not saying find somebody with a special anointing. This has to mean that it's church wide worldwide where the church is concerned has to mean that otherwise why would not he say every church should pray that they has somebody on staff or in the body that has a special healing ministry so he said is any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church healing is part and parcel of the church which means that miracle power is I doubt very seriously if it took any greater power or effort or energy on Jesus' part to walk on water than it did heal the sick. I mean, when Jesus walks on the water, it see, he says, the Scripture says, that he saw the disciples toiling and rowing. It didn't say Jesus was sweating great drops of blood trying to stay on top of the water. When Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fishes, the disciples get a Twitter about that. what are we going to do? Jesus said, give it to the people. He prayed, broke bread. All of a sudden, it starts multiplying in the baskets that the disciples are holding. Jesus didn't break a sweat. I believe it was miraculous when the people tried to kill Jesus, but he walked through the midst of them. They couldn't see him. I don't see Jesus breaking a sweat on that one. It was not energy on Jesus' part that caused the miracle-working power of God to work. Was it? We sure don't have record of it. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them, the elders, pray over him, the sick, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Please notice it's not the elders that save the sick. The word save is the word translated heal. It's the word translated make whole. I don't know if this was beyond... What the translators were able to accept or what. I don't know why they translated it save instead of heal because they used the same word and translated it heal many other times in the New Testament. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's not the elders that save the sick. It's not the oil that saves the sick. It's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. To be healed is to be saved from sickness, isn't it? And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. The prayer of faith puts the Lord to work to raise him up from this sickness. Now, whether you know this or not, this is just as much an ordinance of the church as his communion. This is an ordinance of the church. This is an unchanging law. This is how the Holy Ghost said that he set it up to work. Jesus is the builder of the church. The Holy Ghost is the one that manifests His power and His presence. In other words, the Lord raising him up means the power of the Holy Ghost will be made available to heal this person. It's the way God works today. He works by the power of the Holy Ghost. He goes even further and says, Now, if the prayer face shall heal the sick and the Lord shall raise him up, and if, and if, everybody say if. And if he has committed sins, see, some sickness, we get ourselves in some physical conditions because we don't obey the word. Sin is disobedience. There's just no way to sugarcoat that. I know everybody in today's society wants everything they do to be okay because they want to do it. Well, it's not a matter of what I want to do. Folks, there's a lot of things I want to do that are contrary to the word of God. Now, when I say I, I don't mean me from the inside, I don't mean my spirit, I mean my flesh. My flesh wants to do a lot of things that are contrary to the word. But that's not me. But sin is sin. Whether you want to call it that or not. And, and and the idea that the church doesn't call it sin keeps it from being sin is just not true. It's sin no matter what you call it. Well, you're just judgmental. Actually I can just read. I'm not the one making the decision. Well, you can't possibly believe in a, in a book that's thousands of years old. I absolutely believe in a thousand-year-old book, this thousand-year-old book. Boy, is the world upside down or what? Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And the prayer of faith shall heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, some sicknesses are caused by our own wrongdoing. But even that doesn't disqualify you for healing. And if he's committed sins, they shall, 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 not might, not we hope so, shall be forgiven him. So please notice the same prayer of faith that brings healing is the prayer of faith that brings forgiveness of sins. If we had an altar call and ask people to come back and rededicate their lives to the Lord, those that have been, uh, in what we call backsliders, have been living in their own way instead of God's way, we come to the altar and tell them, or invite them to come to the altar and tell them, without a doubt, God will forgive you. Without a question, without a shadow of a doubt, God will forgive you of your sins. <clears throat> How do we know that? Because the Bible says so. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What would we do to obtain that? Pray the prayer of faith. Just confess, Lord, i missed it. And according to your words, you forgive me, so I thank you that I'm forgiven. That's it. It's not some special formula. It's not some hard thing. You don't have to sweat great drops of blood. You don't have to pray for hours and hours. It's just simple confession and acceptance. In the same way, the Bible says that same exact prayer of faith heals the sick because of the organizational structure of the church that contains miracles. Not one bit of difference. Not one ounce of difference. Not one. How could anybody that's intelligent enough to read the Bible possibly conclude that the God that never changes doesn't work miracles today? Or that healing is not part and parcel of the work of the church. That miracles have somehow passed away because some human beings died. Meaning the apostles. Where do we get that? I'll tell you where we got it. I'll tell you where the church got it. The church got it as a means of making excuses for why they weren't having works. The works of Jesus done in their lives. Excuses are one of the most deadly things on the planet. Because excuses, making excuses, trying to come up with some kind of excuse will cause you to think wrong every time. And wrong thinking leads to wrong believing. Wrong believing is unbelief. It stops the power of God. But I think as a foundation, it's more important for us to start seeing and accepting that miracles are a part of our DNA. As believers. And folks, I've got to tell you something. I'm not interested in doing a miracle so you'll think I'm something. I think you've got me figured out already. Whether that be good or bad. The Bible doesn't say these things so that I, as an individual, can make a name for myself. The Bible says these things so that the believers, remember Jesus said, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also that's not some hard thing we've talked about that before that's not some hard thing to do believing in his name is what you did to get saved and if you are a Christian you are a believer in his name and therefore a candidate to do the same works that he did whether it be walking on water multiplying loaves and fishes healing the sick or even raising the dead One work of God is the same as another because it's God that does the work. God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
1: How did five loaves and two fishes grow and multiply? to feed five to 20,000 people and then have 12 basketfuls of food left over. How did that happen? And why did it happen? Because there was a need for it and Jesus recognized that the power of God was available to meet the need.
0: Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.